a Motorsport Podcast Network production. The Brad Jones Racing Rundown with Chris Westwood and Macaulay Jones. Alright, hello race fans and welcome to episode 3 of 2024 for the BJR Rundown. It's game time, race week and time to get this season going. We've got a bit to get through today and we even have a special guest at the end. But before we get to that, I want to welcome the mullet man himself, Macaulay Jones. How are you, Macca? What an introduction, I love it. <laughs> now going well. Uh, yeah, no, it's all happening here where... Uh we're race week here, which is always an exciting time. First one for the season and what was sort of a short off-season, I felt like, for supercars as a whole. Um, it's gone very fast and it's felt very long Yep. <laughs> at the same time. Yep. And uh, anyway, it's, it's great to be back amongst it. We've got a few things I'd like to cover off on today, uh, namely the a preview of the Bathurst 500, some rule changes for 2024 and obviously the recently run Bathurst 12-hour how are you feeling on race week? Yeah, no, I'm feeling good, actually. It's, uh, like I said, it's a very exciting time for us. You know, it's sort of a massive preparation. The, the cars get stripped right down. We, uh, we rebuild them. We service them. We have a lot of time to dissect 2023 as a whole and then, uh, you know, try and work out weaknesses, find out what your strengths are and really try and build on them and, and build on your weaknesses as well. And it's uh yeah it's like i said it's feel like it's been a bit of a, a long break but it's coming by really quickly we had the one test day which always seems crazy to me that you only get one test day before mm-hmm. the season you know it's sort of like you know getting getting a footballer to kick the football once before the first match would be crazy you know but uh that's kind of how it rolls um especially when a track's only good till midday yeah 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 that's exactly right it gets pretty damn warm in summer and it's probably half the reason we don't race in summer really but uh, you know, definitely, definitely looking forward to it. The test day, you know, obviously we, we spoke about that in the last episode, but you know, felt like that went really well and uh, as, as a team. So, yeah, definitely uh, all eyes forward. Okay, all right. So let's talk about round one, the Bathurst 500. It's a unusual start to the season, um, but politics or local politics of the New South uh, Newcastle Council got in the way and sees us kick off the year in the New South Wales Tablelands. What do you think about the new format being the... It's a three-day event and then there's obviously two 250k events. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a shame to lose Newcastle off the calendar. I mean, the way that the that the contract works with supercars that we have to start the season in New South Wales and, and when you take one of the street circuits away, which was sort of the, the one of three tracks that we go to in New South Wales with Bathurst, Sydney Motorsport Park... And what was Newcastle? Uh, you know, it, it's it sort of leaves you only two options, and and Sydney was already on the calendar, and Bathurst is a very iconic, uh, you know, racetrack, and so to go back there, I think is uh, always an exciting time. I'd rather go there twice than uh, probably Sydney, mm-hmm. uh, even though you know it it kind of ties in really well with the twelve hour supercars, kind of run the su- the the twelve hour and try to make it this motorsport festival. So. That's pretty cool. Um, and then the, the race, the way it flows, you know, they've got the two 250k races, the longer format. Sounds like a long way when you talk about, you know, Townsville or, you know, Gold Coast. Always Adelaide. quite yeah. difficult, those street circuits. But 250k is around Bathurst because obviously you do the 1,000 later in the year. It kind of just doesn't feel like a very long event, mm. you know. So we go there. It's one of our longer fuel stop events. Uh, but yeah, it just doesn't have that, you know, in, you know, long, long event feel about it, I guess. But 
it's um, it's going to be interesting. I think there's a lot of strategy in play. We're we're going there with the hard tire, uh, which was different to the the Bathurst 1000 last year. And in 23, we we ran the soft tire there mm-hmm. for the first time. Uh, whether that affected the racing a little bit, it would probably be up for debate to a few people. But we're going to try the hard tire for this one, and and they've got the soft locked in for for the Bathurst 1000 later in the year. Okay. But that may be up for debate. So that's kind of an interesting point that they'll do this year. We got the more aero. We've got the, the harder tyre, and then with practice on Friday, we have two one-hour sessions. So most tracks we go to, we have two half-hour sessions, so that's kind of cool to have that extra Do you You'd be pretty hour. happy to have those, because last year we only had the one-hour session in Perth, really, other than Bathurst, but you'd be yeah. happy to have the, those longer sessions? 100%, especially when it's the first round. You know, we only have that one test day, and then Bathurst is obviously awkward timing because when you if you only had a half hour session there it's a over two minute lap time so you know once you once you do an out lap one flying lap and come back in seven minutes of the session's gone so really you could only do three or four flying laps if you know you split it up into one lap segments so that doesn't leave a whole lot of tuning time and and you would spend a lot of time in the pits so that's kind of really cool that we can have a bit of a longer session, you know, let it play out a little bit, a, a little bit more, which is nice. You touched on the um, the longer lap, and it, the race itself will only be forty laps. So um, there's obviously there's a lot to play out for the engineers to work out with strategy. Yeah, I mean, forty laps. You know, like I said, anywhere else, if you go to do forty laps at, at Tasmania, it goes by like you've like you've never seen. But with Bathurst, obviously, the longer lap, it's uh, it, it will be interesting. I think there's a uh, the strategy is uh, a little bit odd, I would say. There's a 60-litre drop, so you have to do 60 litres in, in, um, in, the, in yeah. the pits, compulsory, but you have to have two compulsory pit stops with tyre changes. So 60 litres can go in, in one stop quite easily, uh, but you have to do two stops with the, with uh, tyre changes. So the strategy is going to be odd, I think. Mm. <laughs> it's sort of Particularly because it does have a high occurrence of safety cars. Yeah, potentially it will. I mean, obviously, with the final ninety laps, I think at uh, uh, the the thousand last year, there was it was it rained green almost the whole way home from, you know, halfway really, and so that was a little bit odd. Don't happen very often, um, but for for this one, I think you know there's probably going to be a, an early pit stop, and a somewhat later one, and so you can you know generally a stint is about. I think 23, 22, 23 laps at mm-hmm. Bathurst on full fuel. And so you can do that in the one stop, obviously. But with, uh, with the tyre changes, that's going to mix it up of where you, where you split that up and do you kind of gamble to pit early and then have a very late pit stop if there's a safety car. Like how long will you extend that, that second stop to? Mm-hmm. Or, so that'll be an, a little bit interesting. So with Newcastle likely off the cards, maybe it's time we uh, look towards getting a race started at an Aubrey event. Oh, that would be amazing. It would be cheap for us. <laughs> Brad would love it. That's it. Uh, but yeah, that would be cool. I mean, I, I think I saw at one point they were hoping to get uh, uh, the Aubrey Council to, to get one that was an Aubrey-Wodonga race. And that, you know, you'd cross the bridge, which would be epic because that would, you know, be the first sort of racetrack in two different states yeah. and but no, i don't think that's going to go the riverfront 500 yeah something like that it'd yeah. be epic so. it would be cool uh so there were there were a high number of supercar drivers competing in the bathurst 12 hour over the weekend including our own jackson evans who will uh, debut with us at bathurst did you see that preparation for those guys being a bit of an advantage 
Well, driving race cars is always good, no matter what they are, really. Uh, and then, obviously, at the same track. I mean, they've got a bit of wet running in. as There was a fair bit of rain over the weekend, so that definitely helps. It's looking like the forecast has a bit of rain for us uh, for the Friday practice, <laughs> which, uh, you know, always makes it a bit difficult, you know. But we haven't really run on those new wet tyres yet properly, so that's actually a good opportunity to, to be able to have a hit out on those softer wet tyres that we were sort of introduced into 2023 but really had minimal mm, if very minimal. almost minimal uh we only used one set of tires on a drying track they rolled in and, and out of trailers more than anything that's exactly right and so that'll be cool to be able to potentially try them uh although we'd probably rather it be dry but if it's wet that's all gravy mm-hmm. um but yeah jackson uh jackson we cool to see how he goes it's obviously a bit different to the endurance style of racing which he has done recently but i would say for the teams there was quite a few supercar teams running cars in the 12 hour and sometimes that can be a bit of a distraction Mm. so that's going to be interesting i mean obviously we didn't do anything in the 12 hour bjr and and we were heavily focused on the supercar program that we've got and i couldn't really imagine you know half of our mechanics going away to to the 12 hour when we have to race the week after you know mm. we would you know that the cars are getting rolled into the truck sort of on the tuesday of the week of the race meeting and and you know i think if you lost those three four days going to the 12 hour it would have been detrimental to our prep so i'm sort of glad that we didn't have that program going but uh it would be interesting to see if it affects any anyone else you know for that you know i think msr triple eight were doing some erebus had a bit of crew there um, and no doubt some other mechanics here and there and, and engineers across the field yep. were there as well. Yeah, nice. Well, good luck for round one. I know it's a special place for the Jones family. You've, you and your dad have uh, done, had a lot of running around there, so it'll be great to see how we roll out. Yeah, I've definitely <laughs> spent a lot, of, a lot of times with him traveling to and from Bathurst, obviously, when he was racing and then when he stopped and, and I started racing. And so I've definitely uh, you know, enjoyed that process with him. I've done Formula 4 there, Super 2, Supercars. And so that's, uh, yeah, it's always an iconic place we love going. Absolutely. Uh, so let's move into some of the rule changes for 2024. Can you talk us through, I've got three to cover off, but first of all, live pit lane. What yeah. is that and uh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so there's a, a few rule changes and there's some that we won't get into that are probably a bit minor, but, uh, you know, the live pit lane is definitely a big one. And so there's... In, in the past, which we've never really done this way before, your championship team's position was where you were in the order of the pit lane. And so... From the previous season. From the previous season. And so that is now changing to then be live with the current team's championship is you're gonna is your position. So obviously the first round will be dictated by the, the previous year's mm-hmm. championship. But then as the second, third, fourth round rolls in, wherever those championship team points are you will manoeuvre around the pit lane. And so as a, as a team and a driver, that can really affect the way that you're coming obviously into the pits, whether you know, a driver kind of gets used to the teams that you're around. So every time you see whatever, whatever garage is before or after you, you can kind of dictate where you'll go into. So a driver's going to have to be pretty alert mm. to then be you know, making sure you're going into the right pit box at the you know, different rounds, obviously, because... If you're midway down the, the pit lane, it's very different to, you know, you always kind of remember that. And so then if you're further down or further back, it can be quite confusing at times. So that'll be a bit interesting. And then even teams, they kind of get used to 
like the car controller gets used to the car that's behind you and the car that's in front of you. And so yeah, you true. can see them watching come down the, the lane and they have to let you out of your pit box to not make contact. So that can be quite awkward because they've got to be quite adapted to whichever car is, is around their pit bay to then make that key decision in a, you know, a very split second time. So that's always a little bit of an awkward one. So that will be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, we saw a few penalties last year with some pit lane contact just because of the merging in and out. I mean, I, yep. got, I got turned around at Gold Coast, uh, yeah. sorry, at, uh, Adelaide, Adelaide in the pit lane because of that. Someone was, um, got let out. He was told to wait and turned me around in the middle of pit lane, which is always bloody awkward, as you could imagine. So, yeah, no, and you can't like turn it back around. Yeah, and so, so yeah, you're not allowed to grab reverse in pit lane as a driver. Mm. So that's, uh, that's against the rules. So you have to wait for your crew, come in with Gojacks, turn you back around, then they kind of push you into the box. Mm. So that's uh, probably a potential to happen even more just with that, you know, the, the difference of different cars coming in and out of the lane. But yeah, I wouldn't say I love that rule. I, I, yeah, I guess I don't know how many people will love it. I just think it's the continuity of having that same pit box, the same people around you is, is a better option. But, you know, it might be a bit interesting for the fans. I mean, being at the front of the lane is always... Uh, an advantage because when you're in qualifying you're the first car to go out the timer starts Mm -hmm. you know and so by the time that if you're at the back of the pit lane and and by the time you actually get to to let the uh, pit lane limiter off there's sort of 30 40 seconds already on the clock gone yeah and you don't get that back and so you have a high potential to miss the lap Mm. you know at the end of the session versus the guy who's at the pit lane and they can dictate when they go because they have literally when the timer starts, they're, the, they're, they're crossing the line. What's inspired it? Like, has it come from another category or? Uh, no, I think it's just the politics in, in supercars a little bit. Uh, you know, they were talking about it over, I think, over a year. I mean, I think they, uh, there was a bit of, there was, you know, we run a four-car team. And so we are dictated by the two-car team points between 8 and 14 mm-hmm. is, is where we are in the lane. And so, obviously, the what was last year, the four and the 96 car, we went with wherever those guys were yeah, as they were the four. higher. Mm-hmm. And so they were talking about splitting that and so making us go wherever our team points of the 96 and the 4 goes versus the, the 14 and the 8. And so that would have been a huge, probably excuse my language, shit fight mm-hmm. because that would mean our trucks are separate and our trucks are all together. Our crews obviously work within conjunction, engineering, etc. And so they would have to split in the pit lane. Mm. And so... It was kind of like a bit of a balance of either figuring that out or making the live pit lane, and mm-hmm. so the live pit lane got up. Yep. Oh well, we'll see how it how long it lasts. Yeah. Oh, Whether I mean, it sees the season out season. or no, yeah. it, they'll last the season. I mean, you can't really go back mm. on that. I don't think. Okay. What about full course yellow? We saw this at the Bathurst twelve hour. Give us a bit of an explanation on that one. Well, I feel like I'm still learning it myself. I think it can be a little bit confusing, to be honest. I mean, at eighty k's is very slow when you're driving a race car around a track mm. like that obviously and everyone so when the fuel, full course yellow is called you have 15 second countdown and you need to be under 80, 80 kilometers an hour mm-hmm. at that 15 seconds so if you're going above 80 you can get a penalty you can obviously be under it but then you press the button uh, we have it on our steering wheel so everyone's got a mandated spot on every every car's steering wheel it's a full course yellow button and so then that's like a pit limiter, but at 80 kilometers. And so you'll be dictated to 80 Ks. So is that a long way away from the pit limiter button? Yes, it's on Good. the opposite side. So you side can't hit the, the wrong one. No, you won't hit the wrong one. Uh, and you'll definitely know if you're going 40 <laughs> versus 80. So won't that'll sound be, very good. No, it won't feel very good either. 
Um, and so that one is obviously to stop us racing to the pit lane mm-hmm. when there could be potential accident, debris, whatever, animal on the track going on. And so that's one way of supercars having not a safety car when you don't need it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like if there's something on the track and they don't want to call a safety car, they can go full course yellow. Everyone stays within the same gaps just about. Um, oh, and yeah. then, you know, you don't need to get a full safety car, bunch up the whole field, have pit stops. And it's also, they're trying to have a bit more safer in pit lane. So they'll have live pit stops going on whilst that 80K zone is on. And then if they decide to call a safety car after that, then they'll grab the leader and then bunch them all back up mm-hmm. and then do a safety car restart. I don't actually think that's going to be good for racing. I think the safety car is, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty good now to have the live thing going on uh, for the racing. Everyone races to the pit lane, you keep going, and then you bunch up mm. behind the safety car. I think it's exciting. Yeah, I mean, imagine if you threw the full course yellow at the end of Bathurst 1000 last year and, you know, where there was 15-second gaps, 10-second, 5-second gaps between a lot of cars. Mm. And when there's 10 laps to go, there's a full course yellow and then it goes green again. You'd be, you know, I think as a spectator would be not exciting. But... That's always a, a hard one, and I don't think that would actually happen. I'd say that they'd probably just call it a safety car, safety, but yeah. it will be interesting to see how that flows. I felt like it made a very long period for the full course yellow into safety car at the 12 hour, watching that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. so it just felt like it almost dragged on for quite a long time. Yep, um, you know, because they would wait till the pit stops were done, and then they'd bunch up the field, and you know, so it was just, yeah, it was. It was a bit slow for me. Yep. I think I kind of like just going full safety car. Everyone gets behind it. They fix whatever's going on and then you go racing go again. again. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see yep. how that pans out. Okay. And the third one I wanted to touch on was the Enduro main drivers starting. Um, That's an I, interesting one. I do not like this one <laughs> at all. I don't think, I don't really rate this at all. I think, you know, I can understand it. I guess like half the reason would be is that the, you know, the Bathurst 1000 brings a lot of fans and a lot of new people to the sport. And so when you've got sort of household names or something like starting starting the race, everyone knows who they are and stuff, where some of the co-drivers, a lot of you know people that don't watch the sport a lot may not know who they are. Mm-hmm. And so it can be quite confusing. You know, they might see those cars with those sponsors on it and then think, who's the driver? Whereas the normal one or yep. whatnot. And so their idea, I think, is probably just to have everyone that, Everyone main driver start the race and then the race unfolds from there. But we were all on the grid at the start, I guess. Exactly as well. As well. Yeah. But it, so that'll be interesting. I, I don't, yeah, I don't particularly love that. I mean, like a sand down, the race isn't long enough that the main drivers generally start. It's a very alternate strategy if that's what you choose to do when starting mm-hmm. your main at sand down. So I don't, uh, you know, that one's going to be a bit weird, mm-hmm. definitely, because the mains don't really ever start. No, you know, and so. You're going to have to then do almost as minimal amounts of laps with your main, get your co in, get their 54 laps done, and then you'll get your, uh, then you'll get your sorry, yeah, get your co done after that, and then go to your main, and then your main will finish. But it'll just push your, your co driver further into the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think, you know, Sandown has always been co start, do 54 laps, main jumps in, they do their segment, and you don't really have any worry of going over the maximum time limit for one driver. So, yep. I don't really rate that for, for Sandown. But. Do you reckon that another theory might be that they're by starting the main driver, there's less chance of uh, major shunts at the start? Uh, potentially. I mean, obviously, the main drivers will be a bit more experienced, but at the same time, we just race just as hard. So, stuff mm. can still go wrong. And 
that's motorsport really isn't it so um yeah potentially i mean yeah we probably have the long game in in hand potentially more or or whatnot but yeah i, I mean yeah we'll see yep okay speaking of enduros it was a pretty exciting race over the weekend the bathurst 12 hour jackson just missed out on a podium in the in the dying minutes really did you catch much of it yeah, I caught a bit of it here and there. I mean, I uh, had a little bit of farming I had to get to, to do, so I, uh, I missed the last... 12 a long time. 40, yeah, I, I missed the last 45 minutes, unfortunately, but I sort of caught the highlights of that anyway. So, it's a very chaotic race. I mean, there's all sorts of weather conditions going on, and, and that always is interesting. I mean, I feel like it, sitting at Albury, looking outside, it was 34 degrees, no chance of rain, and it started raining in Bathurst, and I thought, bloody hell, that's mm. odd. <laughs> but... You know, that's it's like the Bathurst races of old, wasn't it? Yeah. Just turned on and off. Yeah, it was very strange. But that's kind of how Bathurst rolls with the weather because it it, it almost misses the radar because it goes to the hill. And so mm. once it gets to the hill, it kind of all the rain disappears on the radar. And so it can be raining up the top but not at the bottom or vice versa or it can get heavier. And so lap by lap, it, it changes a lot. But they had quite a lot of long stints on, uh, on the wet tyre. So it was definitely a, a good race to watch. Uh, it was really interesting. You know, there was... Um, a lot of strategy there was um you know obviously you're mixing with a lot of different drivers which was really cool there's a lot of experienced guys mm-hmm. and then the ending was really cool i mean the porsche seemed to be uh you know the top car almost all day yeah, absolutely. so that thing was very fast so mm. it's no surprise it, it won but you know they did a really good job yep now you're a bit of an endurance beast i imagine something like this or other 12 or 24 hour uh, events would be on your radar yeah, I'd love to do one one day, that's for sure. I mean, obviously with this year, like we said, it was it was obviously hard with, you know, the Bathurst 500 going to be the week after and you're sort of fo- full focused on that that campaign there. So I think that was maybe even a little restrictive for some some guys. But yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a very different style of racing and, mm-hmm. and I think it would be a lot of fun. I mean, it's a lot of laps, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, know, yeah. And I like that endurance piece. Okay, so we have a very special guest today, someone the fans have been calling out for. <laughs> today we've been graced with Australian motorsport royalty. He tells me he's won a st- nine Australian titles. He regularly tells me he's driven just about everything. And uh, he's an icon amongst V8 fans. I'm not sure I tell you I could go on, but you've heard enough from me. Yeah. Welcome Brad Jones from Brad Jones Racing. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. How are you today? Fantastic. That's all right. So, look, it's been an ongoing thing. Macra and I have had to fight to keep you out of here, to fend you off. Yeah. But we, we both agree the time is right to let you loose on the BJR Rundown podcast. Can you give us a bit of an idea of what your expectations of the season 2024 are? For BJR? Yes. Um, uh, for me, if we could finish third in the team's championship again, I'd be pretty excited about that. And um, I'd like to have two cars in the top 10 in the driver's championship. Mm-hmm. So, uh, short of that, I mean, just would, I would like to see a bit of improvement for everyone. I think it's going to be um, probably the most open year in a long time. I mean, it's, it's hard to know exactly where everyone's going to fall. There's a couple of contributors. Um, not having the uh, champion in there, obviously, is going to impact on it. Not having Shane around. Um, the changes that have been made to the cars. Um, yep. not, not just to try and even them up, but... The fact that they're going to have a little bit more downforce, I think, will make a difference. Mm-hmm. And and so I think it's pretty pretty open. I mean, I'm always very nervous at the start of the year, and this year isn't any different because it's hard to know where you are. You yep. know, at, at testing, we were pretty speedy, I thought, but mm-hmm. 
obviously Winton's a lot different at Bathurst. Yep. And how do you feel about starting the season at Bathurst? Um, it's a bit like having two Christmases. So for me, uh, man, I like going to Bathurst. It's probably the only place we go to where I actually miss being a driver. But I feel like uh, you can definitely overdo it. I totally understand the circumstances. Mm -hmm. you know, we were going to go to Newcastle. We needed to keep the event in New South Wales. Um, if you were going to have two Sydney Motorsport Parks or two Bathursts, obviously you would lean towards two Bathursts, and that's what we've ended up with. Yeah, Macaulay and I were uh, hypothesising about how good an Albury-based event would be. Well, I think it'd be fantastic. I mean, um, it's been looked at before, running across the Causeway and down through Norwell Park, and, and um, Tim Farrow was pushing really hard for it. Oh, I think it'd be a, a great event. Nowadays, you can't run any of those sort of events without a lot of uh, government support. Mm -hmm. and, and I know there are towns, uh, you know, that are that are lobbying trying to replace Newcastle for next year. Yep. But, um, you know, regional centres do tend to get the support from the government. Um, probably more marginal seats, if yes. I'm honest. Yes. Um, but it, it would be fantastic to have motorsport back here on a regular basis. Yep. Okay. All right. It's been a while since the weird track. Yeah, it has. And uh, I feel sad every time I go out there and drive past it. I mean, when we were doing the retro cars, we went out there to have a look, you know, you came with me mm. and it was really sad that we couldn't find any of the track or anything that that resembled history in the border with motorsport, you know, a flag marshal post and a mm. uh, canteen is all they've got left out there now. Everyone's yeah, I mean, the, they've got the... Uh the old start-finish line pole out of the go-kart tracks. Yeah. Still. I'd love to get that one day. Well, you never know, but it's good that there's a little bit of that history littered around yeah. the place. But it's it's really sad that they've dug it up. There was no need to, I don't yeah, think. No but memorial it's... for it or anything, really. Hmm. Yeah, it's just all gone. It was a pretty cool-looking track. It went up and down and around. And... I mean, you see the photos of it. Well, yeah, you. I mean, when you're up in the, the spectator area, I mean, I was mostly in the pits lurking around with my dad, um, but you could look down and see everything, you know, pretty much. You couldn't see Scrub Corner, but certainly the loop and, and through the S's. So, um, and they had this huge bridge, I don't know whatever happened to that, that you used to walk from one side to the other, but it was, it was in a valley and, mm. and you looked down on it. So it was a, it was a pretty interesting racetrack. It's only... A bit over a mile around, yeah, right. um, so it wasn't. It was. It all happened pretty quickly there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, um, I probably wanted to ask you about uh, the guests, like the Gen Two to Gen Three. Obviously, we're starting the second season into into Gen Three. Um, what do you think the racing was for the first year? And and obviously they made some aero adjustments. I mean, the parity was a big talk in the first year. I feel like they've started getting on top of that. What do you uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you do you like the Gen Three? Do you think the racing's better, worse, indifferent, or or what do you think we can be improved on? Um, parity dominated the discussions last year, and and it's I think going to the wind tunnel has been a really interesting thing. That for me, as you pull all the arrow out of the car, the the difference between the cars, percentage wise, impacts greatly on the performance. So if you pull, you know. 60% of the aero off, or more, which is what they did, and then you only have 3% between the cars, as opposed to what you had with a, with a ZB and a Mustang, it, it, it really impacts on how the car works. And, and um, the Mustang and the Camaro were pretty even when they first came, did the aero testing at the, at the um, airstrip, but 
when the Mustang went down low in the nose, it lost all rear grip. Mm. And so it looked a lot worse than it was really. And it took them a long time to work out what it was that, yeah, was, that was affecting it. And it took, you know, some of the teams, they all ran very low at the front. And I think Groves were the first one that lifted the front of the car up and then away they went. So um, that's a pity that they dominated. But I thought it was a good year in terms of you really didn't know who was going to win when you went to yeah. a race meeting. And, and I think that is something that's, that's exciting. Yeah, very. Well, it's healthy for the sport, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I'm, you know, I'm sure you know, people who support Fords will go, yeah, but it was always a Camaro. And then at the end, it was always a Mustang. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think that's good. And uh, we go into this year pretty much with the same feeling. Hopefully with a couple of better mousetraps, more even mousetraps. But, but certainly, um, I don't know who the winner is going to be. And it wasn't so long ago that you knew it was either going to be a Red Bull or a DJR car. You just yep. didn't know mm. which ones. Yep. So, um, yeah, so no, I'm, I'm, I, I, there's things I like and dislike about Gen 3. Yep. Um, the expense. Uh, well, the engines are cheaper, but I mean, everything's dearer. You know, oh, you go sure. and buy Absolutely. A, a groceries, COVID you know, and they're yeah. a lot That's more exactly expensive. Right. So everything's gone up. But also, I think it takes a few years for that Delta to even out. Obviously, when you're buying all new, new stuff, it's going to last a while, you know, like the old Gen 2 lasted 10 years and I'm sure at the start it was bloody damn expensive, but then you start using those equipment for 10 years, it kind of evens out. You don't need new things every single year. Well, I was inter- last night when I was on my walk, I was listening to the podcast, the Dalhana Jr. with Jeff Gordon, and he was talking about when their car came along. It was the exact same thing. Yeah, they, they had uh, trucks yeah, with brakes, all, all the stuff, and it was exactly the same here. You know, yeah. it was like taking yeah. everything out of the truck and, it, and just sticking it in storage. And so, um, you know, financially you take a big hit. And we got some help from the new owners and supercars to build the cars, but still we needed all the spares and all the different things that go along with that. And we're still growing and and getting uh, those parts into the into the system. So, um, you know, it's, it's on you. You know, we, we sell a lot more parts to other teams mm. and we procure a lot more stuff with other teams um it's probably helped you know the teams all get along a little bit closer now because we all have the same same stuff for the car yep and and there's not so much secret stuff and and um which i think has been good as well from another side of things you're being able to talk more like your videos and and anyone that follows bj on, on facebook well, obviously, I've seen your videos. You've become the most famous man in supercars, just about. <laughs> you know, with a massive yeah, amount I'm of a long views way from that. over the year. But you know, that's that's really been interesting. I think from a fan's point of view, is that now we actually can talk about the parts and the changes because everyone has the exact same changes in the cars. So where before, you know, the whole front end, it was this massive secret of what mm, you ran. Yeah. And same with the rear, it's what roll bars are people using, what geometries are they getting on, what you know, how are they designing uprights and and whatnot. So now, with that all being the same, we can actually give a bit more insight into how it's all unfolding. And, and you know, you've probably at the start dreaded doing the videos, but you've probably started to enjoy them to be able to tell the story and, and get people's reaction to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and before we would have an unbelievable amount of anti roll bars. Now we only have two. Yeah, they're at my bloody. They're in my <laughs> yeah, shed. That's right, they're yeah. in the shed. You know that story you talked <laughs> yeah, about? Yeah, that's, that's right, it's your shed. place. <laughs> Um, so, so all that side of it is really good. I, I think that, um, you know, there's things about the Gen 3 car I don't like. I don't like the fact that it doesn't have adjustable roll bars in it. 
Um, you know, you spend a practice session, which we, we don't get a lot. Huh? There is talks about that, though. Yeah, I mean, it was the, the, the intention was to build them with it, but unfortunately, um, the, the working group in the commission looked like they'd knocked it on the head for the minute. Mm. So I think um, there's things that we, we could make better mm -hmm. with the car that of wouldn't course. cost a lot of money, but, you know, it's a good start. And the cars look cool. I mean, we oh, were due for a body tough. shape update, absolutely. and that's what we've got. And any new model takes time to evolve anyway. So Yeah, and the so good thing is it's a reset, issues. right? So mm -hmm. we're, everyone's back to, to a starting point and then moving forward. And that's one of the things that'll be interesting about this year. It'll be interesting to see if anyone's moved forward. Um, the thing that will change, as I, I mentioned, is is aero, but also going back to Bathurst on a hard tyre, that'll be an interesting mm. thing to see how that works. And I think if it works well, you'll see the hard tyre at the 1000, but if it doesn't, then we'll go back on the soft sure. tyre. Yep. Yeah, well, I think that's what probably is a good opportunity for this second round at Bathurst to be able to play around with that strategy. Yeah, I mean, you know, they tested the cars at the 12 hour. They yeah. had, had two cars running around. I wouldn't say I'm a great fan of that, but I understand why it had to be done. The shifts cuts are going to be the same in the Mustang and the Camaro. Um, so I think that's a positive. So obviously they've got the engines pretty close now. So there's lots of, lots of good stuff coming out of it. Mm. I think that... Um, I, mean, I still think there'll be talk about parity. There's always going to be. Well, there's always going to be. And, and, but so. you couldn't get it more even. You know, wind shear um, is the, the last hurrah. You know, it's the final opportunity to check the arrow and even them up and if you can't get it right in a wind tunnel then you, no, you yeah, really you ain't gonna get it right no yeah and and they tested in your which means the car was turning i think the only thing they didn't do is put lock on the steering wheel but they they turned the car sideways they did yeah. everything else and i think that's really cool like the, i mean that's a massive step forward for a sport it's a huge investment and it's uh you know it, it, i think it will be as even as it's probably ever been i mean i don't you probably didn't talk much about it the aero parody in, in the mid-2000s when you were last racing. No, uh, you ran around with the window down. Um, but... <laughs> yeah, but you uh, didn't have cool suits. That's right. That's... well, <laughs> Real men. Know, that's when men were men, right? <laughs> yeah, but but I think one, one thing I should say is I feel like race, the new owners, yeah. have really committed to the sport and they're yep. spending money in areas where we weren't having that done. We were owned by a uh, predominantly by a venture capitalist company yeah. and they're in the business of making money and while Peter was fantastic at spending money where he had to, um, race have really stepped up and, and I think they need acknowledgement the fact that they underwrote yeah. the, the teams For to sure. go and spend that money at Windshear. It's the first time I've ever done it and, and they got a massive amount of information so if we can't get it right now we never will. Yeah, yep. can agree with that. But uh, yeah, like you said, I think you know, sports reasonably healthy, and, and like you said, when you've got the owners, the owners wanting to spend that kind of money to to make it right and, and to make the racing better, I think that's really good. I think they've I'm got. I'm not sure they the wanted to spend the money. Well, but they no, were but they were willing, willing to, to mm. and that's a big that's a big step forward. And so they're wanting the sport to be better by being able to be willing to spend that yeah, money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Love it. Well, thanks, Brad. Thanks for dropping by. We'd love to get you back for an extended chat at some point. My pleasure, Chris. Yep. If anyone's ever met the man, he can definitely tell a story or two. Oh, give me a Probably break. heard them all. <laughs> More than once. <laughs> More than once, that's for sure. <laughs> all right. So uh, we're all pumped to get out there, get BJR out there and uh, doing what we do. Good luck for round one, Macaulay and Brad. Hope the nerves settle Thanks. quickly. Yeah, I mean, the thing about it is you don't know where you're going to be. But one thing's for sure, once it's settled and you, you work out where you are, then it's 
it's a bit like the guy with the wheelbarrow. You work out what the load is and how much you have to do to try and get back to the front. So yep. uh, I'm excited, but nervous. Yeah, cool. Lucky we don't need wheelbarrows anymore, hey? I've got one at home. Do you use it though? My wife does. <laughs> All right. Thank you, you two. And uh, have, a, have a great afternoon. <laughs> thanks. Godspeed. Thanks for listening and thanks for the support. Make sure you subscribe to the Motorsport Podcast Network. We're going to be dropping a new episode every second Thursday. 